Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome into episode 93 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, in which we are going to try and not jump off a cliff after the Blue Jays lost two of three games in Oakland to the Oakland Athletics. We're the worst team in baseball. Tyler Rumchuk's at the NHL draft, so I, Cam Lewis, am hosting, and I've got BK here. He is going to help us feel better about what just happened. Brendan, how's it going? Uh, we're riding a one-game winning streak into the Seattle series is how I'm choosing to look at this. So, yeah, things are things are great. We, we got a win streak going and, uh, yeah, off to Seattle with nothing but hope and uh, belief in this team. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly where we're at. Thank goodness they did win the finale, though, because they lose the first Thank two games. Yeah. We, I mean, we're all sitting here before this being like, okay, here's the easy part of the schedule. Oakland, three automatic wins. Maybe they win one. None of us thought that the Oakland Bays were going to come in and our host, the Jays, I guess, and win two or three. But here we are. It does kind of feel like even though earlier this season, the Jays did a four game sweep in Anaheim, it does always feel whenever they go to the West coast, it's cursed. There's always, it's especially with Seattle. I find it always feels like there's a ton of momentum riding into the Seattle series. You know, there's a million Jays fans going down and they hit a wall. So I think maybe this time it'll be different because they got their demons out of the way in Oakland and now they're rolling into the Seattle series with zero momentum whatsoever. Yeah, I, I, I think one factor that probably isn't being talked enough right now. And you know what? I, I know a lot of fans don't like the excuses or whatever, but that, look, in, in 162 game season spread out over what they're doing it in 178 days this year. There's going yeah. to be lulls and, uh, you know, obviously they've played in some hot weather. They've done a lot of travel. This team's playing 18 games in 17 days. That is a lot of baseball. Um, and as much as people like to, you know, pretend it's not hard on your body, it is hard on your body to do that every single day. And it's not just the game, right? These guys have a lengthy warm up. They're hitting in the cage or doing fielding drills. Um, it is a lot to take at this point of the year where your body's already beat up and they're just playing a ton. So obviously the Jays are mixing in rest days, which is another thing people love to have a problem with. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a grind. They're kind of in that dog days phase. And uh, I'm hoping a series in Seattle that can hopefully provide a little bit of an emotional boost to the team just because of the environment, ride that into an off day. You're kind of getting a lot closer to the all-star break where a lot of the team will get a, you know, a breather and, and to take a step back and just kind of relax the body for the most part. And hopefully all that leads into to good things. But yeah, I think the team's just worn out right now. And then if you factor in emotionally, what happened last weekend with uh, Mark Budzinski's da- yeah, daughter and, and sure. uh, obviously that was brutal for the team to deal with. And then immediately they've got to fly across the continent, the West coast and play 10, 10 PM baseball games with no off days between um, again, while riding that, right. There's a human element to the sport. Um, you know, these, these guys aren't just, you know, robots that we watch on the TV. They're, they're real people and they deal with emotions and, and fatigue and all this stuff. So there's a lot going on, but that to say they shouldn't be losing five in a row. That's, it's harmful to the team. It's, it's problematic and it's put them in a, I, I don't want to say tough spot. It's probably overstated how some people are talking because the standings are okay still. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not what you want. And, uh, it's such a funny contrast to last week because Saturday morning we woke up and the Jays had won four of five against Boston and Tampa four of five. We are very recently removed from like good vibes. Like things are awesome. This is great. 
and oh so quickly it turned and the Oakland series was a problem but uh, yeah hopefully Seattle is a is a you know a good moment for the team it is pretty funny like you said how quickly things can change though because it really felt like wow you know they just did well in the Boston series and then wow they've won two of this two of these games against Tampa and they're going to play three more things are looking really good good starters pitching and then everything just goes to shit so fast and when it goes to shit it seems so many people forget how good things look just a week ago, but you know, that's baseball for you. It is what it is. My People Twitter love. replies are absolutely <laughs> gong show. You have, if I, if I try and like, if I try and share this perspective and I get that it's annoying. So I understand that. And people just want to like vent, but they're, they're like venting to me. And I'm like, come on, like it's been five days of poor baseball. And yes, the team has, and we'll, we'll get to this. And the team has underperformed certainly in some ways this year to, to our expectations. So there's reason to be frustrated, but it's like people don't know how to balance the extremes. Like you're either a good baseball team or a terrible baseball team. And people have no ability to like slot their mindset into somewhere between those two things. And this is an above average team that we probably would have hoped would have been better than that. But yeah, we, we can get into it. I find, I find the team this year, and I mean, I'm, we're just kind of rambling now, which is fine. We'll get into three up, three down, which is pretty much just going to be going through the three games in a second. But I find this year's team reminds me a lot of the 2016 team, where the strengths aren't necessarily the strengths you thought they were going to be. And there's all these, you know, all this waiting for the offense to blow up. And, you know, it will for a short period of time, but it's not the 2015 team. I don't think it's really even last year's team at all with the explosive offense. There's just very different strengths in it it might be a little bit more of a grind of a team to watch. It's not as like bang, bang, exciting. It's more when they're doing well, it's quietly. And when they're doing poorly, it's loud. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right about that. And the, the funny thing is this team is better offensively than it feels like. And we'll get into some yeah. of those numbers in a bit. Um, but yeah, 2016 is a, a good comp because it was just a year where they made the playoffs. They advanced you know, to play Cleveland in the, uh, ALCS, like they, they did well in that series, uh, you know, to, to get where they got, but man, like that, that year was just, it, it was exhausting. It never felt good. Yeah. It was no. exhausting. Exactly. You just have these yeah. games where like, like today, right? Like this Oakland game, you win two one, uh, on some pretty dramatic home runs late in the game. And it's just like an exhale. It's not a celebration. It's an exhale. And 2016 had a lot of just exhale wins. So Yeah. It feels like in 2016, the longest winning streak, and I know this isn't accurate, but it feels like the longest winning streak was when they won the wild card game and then swept the Rangers and it was a four game winning streak. And that was the <laughs> longest streak they had all year. I know it's not accurate, but it literally feels that way. Anyways. So I forgot to do the ad read at the beginning, but this podcast is brought to you by DoorDash Ding Dong. Use promo code BJNPODDD if you are a first time user of the app and you will get 25% off. So go ahead and order yourself something nice. Um, go ahead and don't bother with the dishes. That's great. Uh, so the first thing we're going to talk about is game one in which Alec Manoa put together a surprisingly bad start. This is not something we ever see from him. And Oakland isn't a team that hits particularly well. So it was kind of stunning to see Manoa goes five and two thirds, allows four earned, allows two home runs as well. And then Cole Irvin, who's a fine pitcher, but not Oakland's best, not an amazing starter, goes and dominates the Jays for eight innings. So what did we see in game one? That was a frustrating one. That was one where it really looked like on paper, they're going to win this thing. And they just didn't. Yeah, you you got a you know a soft-ish tossing lefty. Cole Urban isn't uh, throwing eighty-seven up there, but he you know he's not a flamethrower. Um, he is a decent pitcher, and he's given the Jays fits in the past, or at least I, I recall mm-hmm. one other Coliseum game last where, year. Uh, yeah, last year it was just miserable. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, he's he's a he's a decent pitcher, and uh, you know you would have liked to have seen the Jays hit better. And and the biggest takeaway was Manoa, right? Like that was his worst start of the year. It comes against Oakland in the cavernous Coliseum. And, uh, he, he struggled with velocity, which is a concern. I think the fact, as you said, he went pitched into the sixth inning was, I guess, a little bit comforting that, okay, maybe, you know, nothing was necessarily bothering him where, you know, medical staff coaching staff is like, we got to pull him because of this, but his velocity on basically all pitches was down, you know, two ish miles an hour. Uh, which isn't what you want and velocity matters and you some get beat up and I don't know if we can point specifically to velocity as the reason why, but it certainly didn't help. And it was a, a, a tough game for him for sure. 
Yeah, it's something we're definitely going to have our eye on. And then in game two, I think the reason that the Manoa start was so disappointing is because you have Yusei Kikuchi going right after. And after he puts together a good start against Tampa last week, everyone's like, oh, maybe he's turned a corner. But no, he goes back to being the Yusei Kikuchi that cannot throw a strike. He only goes two and one thirds innings, allows four and runs, but walks five guys. It was just one of those Yusei Kikuchi starts where it, it seems like he's it doesn't even, he has no clue where the strike zone is. So now we're kind of back to the discussion, which is, are they going to throw this guy in the bullpen? Like when they originally got Robbie Ray, that's where he started. And it seemed like that's where he learned how to command and throw strikes. Might that be something we see or is the starting depth too bad to do that now? Yeah, the timing's tough with Gossman being hurt, right? So the best case scenario for the Jays is they start Casey Lawrence Thursday, which looks like the plan. And uh, Gossman is good to go on Sunday because then he can take Kikuchi's spot in the rotation. There's an off day after that. So basically they can just skip him um, for one time in the rotation and let him work on stuff on the side. I believe he's able to be sent down with his permission. So you still still need that. Obviously, you know, I, I can't imagine he's having any fun pitching right now in the major no. leagues. His money's coming regardless. Uh, but he doesn't exactly strike me as a guy who's mailing it in. He strikes no. me as a guy who's lost. He right? looks he's like just, he's trying. He's lost. Of course, yeah. he's, he's not just yeah, going he, out there and phoning it in. No. Exactly. So he's lost right now. And the best thing for him to do would probably be to be throwing 90 to 100 pitches in Buffalo. Uh, with some direction from the coaching staff on, you know, what to be working on and this and that. And I don't know if they'll go that route. And I don't know if he would accept that route, but Mm -hmm. that feels like the best solution. But at the same time, that means you're giving a rotation spot to, you know, Maxwell Castillo or Casey Lawrence, which isn't great either. And I, another theme I've seen on, on Twitter a lot is the, you know, they have to make a trade now or they must make a trade by Friday. Like it's not how trades work. The other team has no. to give you something. They have well, to you don't have any leverage. Trade. No, no, there's, leverage, there's no leverage. And I don't necessarily think they're that concerned about leverage as much as just the trade market isn't moving. So you can't force it to move unless you wildly overpay. And that doesn't make sense to do either. Like the team as constructed still needs to show the front office a little bit more than they've shown. Um, it, it works in tandem. The front office, uh, the front office needs to supplement the talent, but the team needs to play to its talent as well. And uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to figure out there. But Kikuchi, obviously, it, it's really funny to think back to May. He was really good in May, like like really one of the better starters in the AL in May. And and the walks were still up a little bit, but he was untouched. He was still in the zone enough, and opponents were not hitting him. They they couldn't touch him it's hilarious to think that that was the case like five weeks ago, five weeks ago, we were doing the whole Pete Walker, Robbie Ray. Oh my goodness. We've, we've fixed him. We've created another monster and it's gone so poorly. And people in Seattle would tell you, this is the Kikuchi experience to a T. But yeah, there's, there's a lot to be concerned about. They've got a lot invested in him and they need to, they need to figure it out. Yeah, they do. And another pitcher who had been struggling, Jose Barrios comes I wouldn't say struggling. It's just been kind of an up and down as it has been all year. It's been a really weird year for Jose Barrios, but in Oakland, when they needed him to put together a good start, Jose Barrios put together an excellent start. He goes six innings, allows one earned run on four hits and strikes out six guys. Like they badly needed length because the last thing you want is to have to use Casey Lawrence or somebody like that in the game in Oakland. Um, yeah. And then he kept them in the whole time and they had their two dramatic um, home runs, one of which was Matt Chapman. It's fun to see him hit a home run in Oakland. That's exciting. And then Bo hits a home run as well. He was saying, uh, they mentioned in the broadcast that he feels like his um, batting is coming around, which would be nice because it hasn't been a phenomenal season for Bo, but yeah, it was a lot of positives in Wednesday's game, save for the lack of hitting. It's not, you know, ideal to watch the Jays go up against kind of a random anonymous player with a plus five ERA and have him throw, you know, six innings and allow one earned run. But the positive is Burrios here, so we'll focus on that. Yeah, it was uh, very much needed. The One of the stunning numbers coming into this week was Burrios had a worse ERA than Kikuchi coming into this <laughs> Oakland series for the season. Like, That's unbelievably, funny. he had a worse ERA than Kikuchi. He had the kind of outing he needed to have. Um, the, the Jays have done a lot. They've done tinkering with Rios and Kikuchi. And as much as they've been praised for tinkering in the past, it has not gone well this year, but you know, he's moved back and forth on where he stands in the rubber. There's a lot of, uh, elements with Rios and the break he's getting on his, uh, on his, you know, curveball um, that, that, you know, goes 
a long way to whether it's going to be effective or not. So I, I think he's just battling some mechanical stuff and, and it's hard to be thinking on the mound, right? You want to just have your mechanics ingrained into your body and just be one fluid thing. And clearly he's been fighting it for this entire season because he's been so hit or miss. Like Barrios has had great starts and a number of them, like a number yeah. of really, really good starts. And he's had a number of terrible starts, like Kiku, almost Kikuchi level. Back. There's little middle ground. It's yeah, almost there's, one or the there's, other. There's very little. And his batted ball data against is not good, right? He has he has been hit hard, he's been hit off and all that stuff. But again, like there's there's just game to game variance on, you know, the horizontal movement of his curveball and and whether he's able to get on top of it and actually throw it for a strike. And you just, you know, it's been really inconsistent. But again, a fantastic outing. I know he wasn't facing a good offense, but Brios looked good. The Jays only scored two runs. Yes, they probably deserved more. They had some really loud contact in the game, some warning track shots. Lourdes had that like opposite field screamer that, um, you know, a diving stop at second base ends the inning, whereas that would have scored runs. So the offense, you know, hit better than, than the two runs they scored. And one thing that I've kind of come around on in watching baseball is if there's a pitcher who has good stuff, I just don't care about his ERA because his ERA might be a signifier of how well he is able to, or how frequently he can harness his stuff. And some pitchers just struggle with that. They've got loud stuff, great stuff, big velocity. Uh, they're able to, you know, a nice curveball, whatever, but then they're just really inconsistent with it all. And some days those pitchers put it together. Caprillion seemed pretty good today. Like I wasn't watching him pitch and thinking this is a horrific pitcher. He was a first round. He was amazing. Yeah. Like he, you know, he's, he's got decent stuff. So he's got decent stuff and he was pitching better than some other games he has this year. The Jays had some poor batted ball luck and it resulted in two runs, but I don't think the offense was honestly that big of an issue today. Thankfully they were able to get those two home runs to, to make something of it. But in general, yeah, they're on kind of a little five, five, six game slump offensively. and, And hopefully they can turn around going into Seattle who unfortunately are pitching lights out lately. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing is so all told now after that win, the Jays are 45 and 38 on the season, which is solid, I guess, based on the way people are talking about it, you'd seem there, you'd think there were like three or four games under 500, they were 500, but it's not the end of the world. It's not, I think, I think kind of the doom and gloom is a little bit more overplayed this year because the expectations were so high, coupled with the fact the Yankees are on pace to win about 145 games. But yep. this time last year, there were 43 and 40 things were worse. Yeah, it's fine. Um, they, they have the hardest strength of schedule too to date, right? So they're they have the that record. There's seven games above 500 with the toughest schedule against. Now that's not super helpful when you go in and lose two or three to Oakland when you're getting some <laughs> of those schedule offsets in your favor. But it's been the hardest schedule to date, and Blue Jays have the 20th uh, easiest uh, or 20th hardest 20th hardest schedule remaining. So. It does lighten up. The Jays did kind of get put through the gauntlet to start the year. And it's not as bad moving forward. But yeah, at the same time, I mean, you know, the run differential isn't amazing. They're the the Jays record probably is an accurate indicator of how they've played, if not slightly, you know, maybe a couple games ahead of how they've played talent-wise. So yeah, it's not the same as last year, but also they're not in a worse spot than they were last year, add in the extra playoff spot. And again, they're just not in as bad shape as as it feels like right now so speaking of that let's take a look back at kind of how things have gone in the first half and hand out some letter grades like we're doing report cards so the place i want to start because we've kind of already harped on it a whole bunch is the starting pitching we've already talked about alec manoa has been fantastic jose barrios has been all over the grid yusei kikuchi all over the grid more so negative kevin gosman's been good but some struggles there too and then hyunjin ryu's injured and out for the year ross stripling's filled in he's been fine but there's virtually zero starting pitching depth after that the starting pitching was really supposed to be the strength of the team this year and for a while there it looked like it was going to be 2016 level. And that's why I think I kind of made that comparison earlier is that it does feel like it has been the strength and it should be. But what do you think about the starting pitching? Like what letter grade would you give that? Do you remember my bold prediction from our preseason pod, which was rotation would lead baseball in the ERA? Yeah. Hasn't exactly played out that way. Uh, 
yeah, we, we could have saved three up, three down for the rotation because we've got six guys to discuss and there's three up and three down. You're up for Gossman, Manoa, Stripling, and you're down our Ryu, Brio, San Kikuchi. Uh, and I guess a fourth down would be the fact that there's nobody else to fulfill no. this role that you would feel good about. So, yeah, I'm, I'm giving the rotation uh, like a C plus. Uh, I, I think that's reasonable because, again, Gossman's been really good. Manoa has been a monster and Stripling's been great in this role, right? Like Stripling's the three ERA and, and he's probably performing above his talent level. He's gotten a few breaks of facing, you know, some not great opponents and that type of thing. But yeah, it's, it's those three guys who have carried a lot of the load as Kikuchi has been a complete wild card besides uh, a complete disaster outside of May. And Brios is just inconsistent and in trying to find yeah. something. He's fighting it and he's not striking guys out and all that stuff. So it's, it's an interesting group. Um, you know, if, if Brios, like, let's say he's turning a corner, let's say, he's found something. Let's say he can even just be like a number four starter the rest of the way. You feel so much better about where things are. If the other guys can stay healthy, obviously Gossman, you know, when he's hopefully comes back soon from the ankle thing, Manoa stripling Barrios, And then, you know, they got to figure out what they do with the number five spot, but those four guys you can feel decent about in your rotation. So it has a chance to be okay, but on the thinnest of margins, right? Another injury, they're hooped. Gossman's ankle doesn't recover properly. They're hooped. They're going to need probably to add somebody just, you know, to cover the Kikuchi problem. And I don't think they need to spend, and the Jays don't have a ton of prospect capital to trade, but they need to go do another like 2020 Taiwan Walker trade or bringing in Robbie Ray at the time. Um, I don't think they'd want somebody as volatile as Robbie Ray was that season, but like they need to just bring in somebody who can be like a number five. Yeah. Simply to cover in types, right? Like that yeah, exactly. Jose Quintana. And look, you're not going to feel good about Jose Quintana starting a game in Boston or New York, but again, he can give you innings. He's a mm -hmm. veteran and you know, ideally he's not a disaster. You wouldn't expect him to be a disaster. And that's kind of what the Jays need, right? They just need to cover innings out of that number five spot of the rotation, assuming they can stay healthy otherwise. And it gives them time to just figure out what's going on with Kikuchi and what to do with them. Well, maybe what you do is you then take Kikuchi and throw him into the bullpen, which has been quite the enigma. The bullpen was weird this year. And that's what we're going to jump yes. on to next. Bullpen was really, really, really bad last season until they fixed it midway through the year. And then this year it started off really quite well. And it seemed like, wow, this is so different than last year. The April bullpen's dominant. This is getting us so many close wins and we're not playing all too well. And then in May, it kind of seemed like it got gassed and fell off a cliff. I don't think it's been quite as bad recently, June and early July, but it's still been, you know, very up and down. I don't think there's very many games that are close where you feel like, yeah, I'm very cozy with clearing four innings from the Blue Jays bullpen. So what would you, what would you give them as a letter grade? I had a hard time with this because just like my initial reaction is like D like this is just <laughs> a failure group and it's been bad. And then when you pull up the, you know, the ERA of the team that like the, of the bullpen and actual performance, like they, they have five guys with ERAs under 3.5, right? Like that again, 3.5 is not a great barometer for evaluating a bullpen arm, but you're not a disaster pen arm. If you're, you know, under three, five and that five would be, uh, Meza, Jimmy Garcia, Romano, Simber, and Phelps all have ERAs under 3.5. And uh, with Phelps, Phelps is a three ERA. So they've got this group of five who, for the most part, have been healthy. And, and you kind of feel okay with them, but you never feel good outside of Romano when he, you know, he looked good. Uh, Even then though, like game. he has his, he has his cold spots too. Where Romano has not been 2021 20, Romano. Like if you look at his strikeout rate, his walk rate, hard hit, batter ball, like he, he's not the guy he was last year. So yeah, you're right. I, I don't feel great confidence in any of these guys coming in with that being said, again, playing to the extremes, right? Something you just you either feel something's great or awful. And it feels like, oh, the pen's awful. And yet here they have five guys who are okay. What the bullpen is missing is strikeouts. That's yeah. been talked about ad nauseum. And it lacks depth uh, performance beyond that group. Um, Trent Thornton was actually doing like okay-ish, fulfilling this kind of multi-inning mop-up role or the Kikuchi piggyback kind of thing, or just, just coming in to put out fires. I think when, when they called him in yesterday, I believe they said that was a seventh appearance in like nine games. 
he, he got a lot of uh, pitching action in that Tampa series. Yeah, like yeah. Thornton. So I, I feel bad for him because he was used a ton and he got sent down today, I think, just because of well, we're probably they, too they hard. Use him for I a think. couple of days. Yes, we're probably I too hard. To we're, as a fan base, we're way too hard on the guy. He's he, you don't he's, want him in leverage, but he no. could like fulfill that eighth guy in the bullpen role. Yeah, he's your backup, Ross Stripling, and I think that's fine. Yeah, but Trevor Richards has been a big disappointment, right? He's a guy again. You just kind of w- hoped would have fit into that group of sub three point five ERA guys. Not somebody you'd think would be amazing, but you'd hope he could fulfill that spot. But yes, the the bullpen does not strike guys out. The funny thing is Trevor Richards actually has the highest K rate per night of the, on the, in the bullpen, but 10.16 for every, well, and a walk, there's a walk and then a home run. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's, it's not great. It, it's a, uh, it's a bummer of a bullpen. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm giving it a C minus. And even that feels slightly harsh when you just look at the numbers, but you know, you and I, we can, we can go on feel here and it doesn't feel great. And obviously that's where they need to add, you know, impact or at least like solid depth, like guys you can put in a leverage situation. And again, just feel at least okay with them in that role. And that's what the team needs. Problem is every team needs that and they're all going to be hunting for it at the deadline. Problem is there's an additional playoff spot now and there's more teams who think they have a chance, uh, which limits uh, shrinks the group of sellers. So yeah, it's not a great trade market to be in for desiring relievers. But again, you just repeat what you did last year, adding, uh, Simber and Richards find those, maybe one of those guys and then aim a little higher elsewhere and, and hopefully you can turn it around. And, and yeah, I mean, Mesa was lights out last year, um, outside of what, like he had, you know, a three week stretch that was terrible earlier in the season May, yeah. and wanted him DFA'd. And then he was phenomenal in the way the rest of the way there. So I'm, I'm hopeful he can kind of return to being that guy where you have a ton of confidence in him but they obviously need reinforcements there and and we'll see, you know, we'll see what they can pull off. But his K rate has, has fallen off a bit compared to last year. So I don't really know how to evaluate Mesa. I don't have a strong opinion on him other than it's just, it's not the same as last year, but again, hopefully he can turn it around and, and, you know, be a, you know, a legit setup guy, uh, you know, lefty leverage guy for them late in games. Speaking of things they might need to add, everyone's been talking about them adding a left-handed bat. Because the this is this is something we kind of saw coming at the beginning of the season because there was all kinds of talk. Okay, they need to acquire Jose Ramirez from Cleveland because he will diversify their lineup and give them a switch hitter who gets on base, which you know they obviously don't really have that type. They're very much so a righty heavy lineup of guys that swing a lot. And as a result, um, the offense hasn't been anywhere near as good this year as it was last. It doesn't feel as potent. It doesn't feel as threatening. What 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 grade would you give the bats? So I'm giving the offense a B. Um, really? Yes. And I actually think I would probably grade it higher if it didn't come with expectations of being an elite offense. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I we're recording this on Wednesday. I tweeted this out a little bit before we started, but I went on to baseball savant just to look at the stat cast stuff and to get a feel for how is that offense actually performed both in expected numbers and production, like real tangible production. And the Blue Jays have the number one hard hit rate in all of baseball, the hard hit percentage. Sorry. So they hit, they have a hard hit percentage more than any team in baseball. When they do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They have the highest expected batting average in baseball. So that factors in strikeouts and all that stuff. Their actual batting average is third. So they're underperforming their expected batting average, but just by a little bit. They're third in baseball. And you know, everyone looks at this team already heavy sluggers. Their batting average is third best in baseball. Um, they are second in slugging percentage. And uh, again, a big complaint is free swingers. They don't take walks, that type of thing. If you were to guess what their walk rate is, what would you say it is in baseball? Jeez, oh, I would guess they were in the lower half. 15th. They're exactly league average in walk rate and teams you think of that are super patient hitting elite hitting teams. Boston is 16th. Blue Jays have a better walk rate than the Boston Red Sox, who I I think of in, you know, that patient hitter mold. So yeah, like would you want to see a top 10 walk rate? Sure. But like they have hitters who are swingers and you can't just make them something they aren't. And by trying to make them something else, you might take away their ability to actually perform when they do swing the bat. So again, it's, it's an incomplete offense or it has some inefficiencies that we see from time to time. But I think at the same time, expectations are a little too high 
I think people are grading on an unrealistic curve and they were watching teams struggle for five, six days and act like it's the end of the world. When after a stretch of terrible five, six days, they're still number one in hard hit percentage, number three in batting average, number one in expected batting average. This team can hit, they hit well, they hit past their inefficiencies that we talked about. They can sometimes be pitched to, and it feels frustrating, but like, the numbers speak for themselves. This offense has been very, very good um, by WRC plus. I think they're only behind last season by like four points uh, or something like that. They're really comparable to last it year. Really, yeah. it, so it doesn't feel, it doesn't like, feel like it. Yeah. No. So sometimes we just got to separate what it feels like versus, you know, what is, what is reality. And it, it, it can be streaky. It totally can be streaky, but the offense probably deserves less criticism than it's getting because the team can really hit and they've performed, they've done it. They, they had a weird April and their numbers were down. Like the, none of these numbers exist the in ball, April. Right? Yeah. Dead ball. The ball. Yeah. And they, they hit in the, you know, a lot of lineouts and their runners and scoring position numbers were terrible and all that stuff. But yes, they basically have hit the crap out of the ball since like middle of May or, you know, the closer to the end of May, they've been by like by far the best team offensively in baseball. So we should be less hard in the offense. I'm comfortable giving them a B. Um, and yes, if our expectations weren't higher coming into the year, I'd probably be talking B plus A minus. And speaking of expectations on the complete other side of this is I think the expectations for the defense were, I don't think they were particularly high, to be honest with you. I don't think when you look at the Blue Jays roster, you think this is an elite fielding team, though, to be fair over the offseason, they did actively improve that. I mean, Santiago Espinal is playing more of a role. Uh, they acquire Matt Chapman. You know the the defense should be better. What, what what grade would you give the defense? Do you feel like it's this is a strength of the team? Is this a weakness? It's 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 a tough one because it feels like sometimes they look so bad in the field, and it's mm. stunning how bad they look. But then, you know, they they are a better defensive club last year. I feel a lot safer with Matt Chapman at third and more Santiago Espinal. Yeah, I think it's again just confirmation bias where you like see like struggles occasionally or see you know Teoscar you know, bobble something in right field or bow, make a poor throw, uh, at short. And it's just, Oh, this, this team can never play defense. But, um, again, the numbers don't necessarily bear that out. They're 12th, they're ranked 12th and outs above average, uh, which to me is the most reliable fielding metric in baseball. None of them are perfect and they're probably yeah, inferior they're to tough. offensive metrics. But with that being said, it's, it's my favorite one. Cause it, it factors in where you're positioned yourself when you start, um, and how long it takes to get to a ball and all that stuff. But anyways, they're 12th and outs above average at four. Um, fun fact, the worst team in baseball is the giants who were amazing last year. They're negative 33, negative 33 outs above average. Um, and yeah, the blue Jays are, are tied for 12th and, and, you know, just a few, uh, well, yeah, they're, I mean, one behind being a top 10 team, uh, one out above average. So, like they they've added Matt Chapman, who obviously has been good at third base. His numbers have not been as good as in past years, but I, I think you and I would say we feel good about Matt Chapman. He's also playing on the turf too, so yep. we have to be fair, right? There's there's factors there, but uh, but yeah, even still, like I, projecting Matt Chapman forward, I feel really good about him at third base. Second base, uh, you've got a lot of Santiago Espinal, who's like a Gold Glove caliber second baseman, and first base, Vladdy. Uh, in the past, I've felt like the fan base probably overstated how good of a defensive first baseman he became just because like he looked yeah, capable not, right? there and that yeah, was, was like exciting to people. But he's turned into like the, the metrics like um the eye test is pretty strong. Like Vladdy's a good defensive, of yeah, he, he's a good defensive first baseman. So and then Bo Bo is a below average shortstop. Yes, but your other three infield positions are all good at what they do. Alejandro Kirk has blossomed into a really yeah. strong defensive catcher. Uh, the metrics haven't been as kind to Danny Jansen. I don't think he's a good framer on low pitches, but Danny Jansen went healthy, you know, solid. You believe in him as a solid defensive catcher. So basically their infield, if you include catcher is like four solid defensive positions out of five or the outfield. It's a different story. They're just not as good in the outfield, but again, overall the defense has been much improved from last year. And I, I feel fine with the group they have. They've probably, they, well, they, they have, they've done a good job utilizing Bradley Zimmer, who people don't want on this team. But when you've got 13 players that you're carrying uh, position players at any given time, 
you can afford to have a Bradley Zimmer until there's another injury. And that's where you dump him and then maybe go trade for somebody else, but he's fast and he plays a really good center field. And when you're not giving him at bats, he can actually be useful to the team, both in a pinch run role and a late inning defensive replacement role. So um, yeah, the, the defense is fine. Again, I'm giving it a B it's, it's an, it's an okay group and, and certainly improved from last year. Yeah, that's reasonable. And I think that's actually a perfect segue to our final one. Um, you mentioned Zimmer as being a good backup. One thing the Jays are kind of lacking, it seems. And we, we, we talked about this as being a strength at the beginning of the year. One thing we said, this won't be the 2013 uh, hype implosion because this team has a lot of depth. And one thing we've seen now that the Blue Jays have struggled with, specifically with pitching, is kind of a lack of depth. So the final thing we're going to do report cards for is the system. And I think this kind of splits into two. There's like the lower levels of the system where you have exciting names, but then there's up there in Buffalo, AAA Buffalo, where they just haven't really been able to churn out too many useful players that come up and contribute like that. It, it, it doesn't seem like there's anyone where you're looking down the bisons and you're like, you know what, this guy can come up and be a game changer right now. So what would you rank the system? Yeah, I would say overall it's there, there has been some nice breakout performances, but I'm probably giving it like a C plus uh, a C or a C plus. Uh, and as you said, the, the upper levels have been a disappointment this year, just because they haven't produced anybody who's leapt off the page Gabby Moreno Moreno is in the majors and, you know, we love him as a prospect and he's got a great future as a catcher, but he came into the year with high expectations. He was a top five prospect in a lot of places, top 10 everywhere. Um, Outside of him, what, what have you gotten from the minor leagues, right? You entered the year. (laughs) Yeah. Matt Gage. And you know what? A nice story for sure. And you're right about that, but you entered the year with rotation of the big five and then Stripling was your six and Pearson was your seven. And you hope that that group could get you through most of the year. Obviously, we've seen you know that f- fall apart spectacularly with uh, Pearson's issues, Ryu getting hurt, and Kikuchi being Kikuchi. So once you get to that eight, nine, ten spot of rotation depth, I think it's fair to not expect this, but like every year, you just hope there's some name who just emerges as like a capable you know, could make some spot starts and like not implode. And you had guys like uh, Bowden Francis, Thomas Hatch, Anthony Kay. Again, it's not the most inspiring group, but we, we felt really good about Thomas Hatch a couple of years ago, right? We did. And not just because of his bullpen work in 2020 prior to that, as a prospect, he was like, he he was great in 2019 as a, as a prospect when he came over to the team. So it's been disappointing to see none of those guys be of any value to the team. And I don't think there's really all that much to project with those guys moving forward as, you know, rotation stalwarts or or possibilities even. Right. So with this team in a contention window, you're not going to enter a season with like, Oh yeah, Thomas Hatch is going to battle for a rotation spot. Like you just can't feel good about that at this point. So that's been one, one of the biggest disappointments to me is just, they haven't produced some random name outside of that group that has elevated above them. It's just been, you know, Maximo Castillo. I, I don't, buy it all that much. I would love to be wrong. And maybe he's that guy. And, uh, and his minor league numbers are, are strong, very, very strong. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a reason he's basically considered a non-prospect by every prospect site and he's got very hittable stuff. And, and yeah, again, happy to be wrong, but I, he's not somebody who gets me excited. On the other hand, the lower levels of the system, there's some really cool stuff happening down there. And you know, as we watch teams like Tampa and the Dodgers and the Yankees just become these like pitching factories where they're just, you know, uh, they're building pitchers, right. They're taking these, these moldable guys and like teaching them pitch tunneling and sliders that are nasty. And man, if you look at the slider data on the Yankees, like all of the Yankee pitchers throw the exact same slider and it's just a devastating pitch. And you know, the, the blue Jays, opened their Dunedin facility during the pandemic. Their pitching facility didn't even open until like a year after the rest of the facility did. They've hired a lot of like driveline baseball adjacent coaches and guys who are certified in like the biomechanics of pitching and, and all the stuff of finding these edges. So I'm, I'm hoping long-term that the investment in this stuff bears fruit at the major league level, but that stuff's we're early. Like I just said, this, this pitching lab 
just opened, some of these coaching hires are still within their first year of the system. The stuff takes time to develop yeah. on the under, and you and I have talked about this and taught in a previous podcast about just when you're like developing a system and implementing change and, and all this stuff, it takes a lot of time. So I'm, I'm pretty okay or excited about the future of what the Blue Jays can be as an organization and pitching development, but it's not happening now. And it's pretty disappointing that that's the case, but you have guys like Nick Frasso, Ricky Tiedemann, Dahi and Santos, just doing ridiculous stuff at the lower levels, um, striking out everybody with nasty, nasty stuff. And there's lots like there. Uh, we have got another Gabby M Gabby Martinez, in uh in the florida state league or i don't think it's called that anymore but uh in low way uh he's kind of a prospect who wasn't on my radar at all coming into the year and he's hit amazing this year he's he just hit a home run today in his first game back after i think he like fractured his wrist or something in his hand he missed like five weeks first game back today hits a home run uh there there are some really cool things happening at lower levels but yeah i'm not sure the system's in position to bring anybody to the table now. And I don't really think even looking into next season that there's any prospects you feel great about other than Gabby Moreno. So yeah, I, you know, that, that's a, that's a thing the team needs to figure out, get better at developing and and they're on their way. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to just pay. It's going to be money to supplement the major league talent for this year and next, because yep. there just isn't that pipeline ready to start, you know, guy pitchers to call up that you'd be excited about. It is. It's unfortunate because I think that when the Shapiro Atkins front office came over from Cleveland, we saw that rotation they had there and it was, yep. you know, all kinds of good arms. It was the bullpen. I mean, some of those guys come through trade, right? Like Andrew Miller is a guy they acquired, not one they developed, but it was a whole bunch of guys they developed internally. And we thought, yeah, like that's what they're going to do here. And then there was so many names that, you know, guys like Pearson's kind of fallen off because of the injuries, Mary, whether it's the injuries as well, but there's so many other guys like, Anthony K, Thomas Hatch, it's kind of just Thomas Panone, Ryan Barucki, like all kinds of different pit, like pitchers that at one point we thought maybe this guy can be a back back of the rotation starter. And then eventually it's like, maybe this guy can be a reliever. And then they haven't even been able to become relievers. And it's just surprising to see, but yeah, like you said, they have a ton of good high upside arm talent, lower minors. They also have a whole bunch of draft picks this year. So it wouldn't be shocking to see them go very pitcher heavy. Yeah. That would be positive. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, it is what it is. They're going to have to, if they decide to buy, which I think they will, I don't know if they're going to go all in, all in, but they'll do something at this year's deadline to augment the team. And that's the way it's going to have to be because they're very much in Buffalo. But anyways, those are the report cards. So what did you give? You gave the system a C. Uh, yes. Yeah. C, uh, C, C plus one C of those plus, two sure. for the system. Uh, the pen bullpen was a C minus starting pitcher C plus. Offense B, defense B. That seems reasonable. What would you give the team all told? Like a B minus, C plus? Yeah, I, yeah, I would say like coming into the year, you felt like they had a much better roster than the Blue Jays had last year, the first three months. At the start of the, of the year, for Obviously, sure. yeah, it, it definitely improved once they made some acquisitions, obviously. But yeah, I mean, you were starting the year with Simber and Richards and you were starting the year with Jimmy Garcia, which was far ahead of the bullpen situation the year before. That's another thing that frustrates me a little bit too. People act like oh, the, the team should have seen this coming, that the bullpen was an abject disaster. Again, bullpen, disappointing. It's not striking enough guys out. If you look at fan graphs, this was the 13th ranked projected bullpen entering the year. They were an average bullpen and bullpens, unfortunately, are incredibly volatile and the error bars swing very far on both ways. And unfortunately, they have been far worse than they were projected to be, which is disappointing. I if I'm looking at any of those four groups we talked about, or we graded, I'm going to say that the bullpen is one of those. I'm okay with being the worst of those four because I know it's volatile entering the year. And I know you can just add arms in July to try and help fix things. Right. So again, it's gone poorly and that's been frustrating. Um, the offense has underachieved last year. Um, you know, just some of the individual performance has been a bummer and, and the emergence of Kirk and Kevin really are, are big reasons why um, the, the numbers are you know better than it feels. But yeah, I, I'm probably giving a, a B minus so far with you know still some hope and belief in the team and what they can you know pull off, especially with a few deadline ads. And uh, if if I the funny thing about the standings right now, Cam. So we're we're recording this Wednesday evening. Uh, Tampa Bay is currently beating Boston three nothing. So let's just say Tampa Bay wins that game. The Blue Jays will be half a game back 
of the top wildcard spot and one game back of the third best record in the American League. Like the sky is not falling on this team as bad as it feels right now. Cleveland just got swept by the Tigers in a four game series. Like that was a team that was playing really good baseball up until like a week and a half ago. They were were red hot and they just got swept by Detroit. Uh, Seattle is red hot, which again, poor timing to face them. They are four back of the Jays going to this four game series. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) Saying that out loud tasted terrible. I'm worried now. Um, but Let's yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, uh, man, the, the standings are not a disaster at this point for the team. Um, and like I said, they're, you know, possibly soon to be one game back of the third best record in the American league. So you have the Yankees and Astros and then a lot of flawed baseball teams below them. And the blue Jays are one of those flawed baseball teams, but still, you know, in that tier, uh, that next year in the American League. So here's hoping they can they can you know get back to meeting some of our expectations. And uh, yeah, there's there's more reason to be optimistic than it feels like in Blue Jays fan land right now. I'm going to give them an A plus because it seems like they're doing a game of three dimensional chess in which they're actively trying to finish sixth in the American League so that they can play the Minnesota Twins in the first round, as opposed to the juggernaut Yankees and Astros. I there think this go. is all a big ruse and uh, <laughs> this is all, this is all part of the Cleveland crew's master plan. Anyways, we need to look ahead to that aforementioned series in Seattle that you now have me wildly anxious for this look ahead is brought to you by points bet Canada. If you are a betting type, head over to pointsbetcanada.ca and look at all their lines and info and betting stuff. I'm not a better personally, but I would bet my life savings and everything I own the shirt on my back and everything that there is going to be more Blue Jays fans than Mariners fans in Seattle. And Mariners fans are going to get angry about it. You're making the trip down to Seattle this weekend, correct? Yeah, I'm watching the game with uh, a number of those angry Seattle fans. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, But that could also be a miserable experience if that game doesn't go well on Friday when I'm watching with them. And I'll be there Saturday, Sunday with my family as well. So yes, very much looking forward to this series. Uh, I, I posted some photos on Twitter today about the seats sold, um, some screenshots of like Ticketmaster seats available for the third base side for the Saturday game. And there's basically nothing available to buy. And if you look at a future Mariners game, nothing but available seats. So you can tell Blue Jays fans have bought like every ticket on the third base side uh, of the stadium. And it's, it's going to be a nuts, uh, atmosphere. I'm really excited about it. If you look at the pandemic, obviously 2020, you know, the Blue Jays didn't visit Seattle 2021. They did, but there was still border restrictions in place. You could fly to Seattle, but like all the people who would make the drive normally weren't able to drive across the border. This is the first time since 2019 that we get to go in mass, in mass yeah. across the border and watch. So it's going to be a really cool atmosphere. The last time it will have been like that was 2019 when the team wasn't good. They weren't, yeah. you know, they weren't good in 2019. This is the first so interesting Seattle series really since 2016. And that yeah. was late in the season. I remember that they, they went yeah. to Seattle and won some key games. And it probably adds to the atmosphere and the fun in the stadium that Seattle is playing good baseball right now, despite they're that not team. being a good thing for us. Right. Like they, yeah. they're, they're pitching their mind. Yeah. They're, they're, they're very impressive pitching right now. Julio Rodriguez is a superstar. Like, yeah, he's, uh, you know, I, like I would, I would trade Vlad for him in a heartbeat, like right now, like no questions asked. He's, he's possibly the best player in the series, like a true superstar at what, like 20 years old. You think he's better um, than Alejandro Kirk? Well, okay. Cause that's, that's the blue Jays. Let's not go too far. Now. You're that's right. A, you're right. That's the and you know, if you look at the offensive numbers this year, like with, with Vlad slumping a yeah. little bit after a hot June, Alejandro Kirk is like 22 points. If, up if the season finished right now, goals. if the season finished right now, Kirk wouldn't win the MVP. It's going to go to Aaron judge, but Kirk would finish the highest among blue Jays and MVP. Yep. Voting, I think. Oh yeah. Like very, very easily. The Manoa might too. Second, might, by, yeah. Manoa might be second. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty weird baseball is weird, man. Like it's it's wild, <laughs> right? It's wild the year to year volatility and the so guys weird. who can emerge and yeah, it just doesn't happen in some other sports like this. So that makes it fun. It makes it frustrating. But Seattle is going to be a really fun series, and uh, yeah, I you know I hope they can win at least two. But it, it's going to be a tough series. They're they're playing yeah. good ball. Uh, their their rotation is just outstanding. Their bullpen isn't as good as last year. 
But like I said, Julio Rodriguez, superstar mode, uh, Ty France, I think is coming back from injury and he's been like, you know, better than Vlad offensively this year at first base for the Mariner. Like they, they've got some good pieces there. Jesse Winker suspended for the whole series uh, because of the Anaheim brawl. So I guess mm-hmm. that's one break the Jays catch, but yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, Jays need to win some games, right? You start winning some games that maybe you don't expect to win and uh, steal some. And, and, you know, hopefully they can steal a Casey Lawrence start on Thursday. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Speaking of those starts, I'll just rattle it off quickly. It looks like Lawrence is filling in for Gosman on Thursday. Friday is a question mark might be Castillo. Who knows? Uh, Manoa would be in line for Saturday. The hope they mentioned this on the broadcast and you mentioned this earlier as well. The hope is that Gosman could fill in on Sunday so that Kikuchi doesn't have to pitch. But if Kikuchi does have to pitch, it would be him pitching at Safeco. It's not called Safeco anymore. What is it called now? T-Mobile or something? T-Mobile Park. Yeah. Uh, whatever park. Seattle Park uh, <laughs> for the first time as a non-Mariner. <laughs> so maybe that would... He pitched quite well against them in Toronto. So maybe that would be a good Kikuchi start. Who knows? But regardless, we are hoping for two wins at least. We really don't want to wind up having this be like a two and five series out West. That would be very unfortunate. And you're going down for these games. So you want to witness some W's. So you go and enjoy yourself a nice weekend in Seattle. And we will talk later. Yes, sir. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 